Hi everyone and welcome to the CCDNL podcast. For anyone who doesn't know, CCDNL is the Centre for Culture and Development in the Netherlands and we focus on preserving tangible and intangible cultural heritage through connections between the Netherlands and other countries with whom it shares close ties. I'm Ailey, your host, and today I'm chatting with Adjitesh Ajitesh Lokhandi, sorry, graphic designer from Mumbai, based in Paris, who is a guest speaker in our upcoming Kusuri webinar. Ajitesh, as well as being a graphic designer, also enjoys cross-disciplinary collaboration with other creators. Hi, Ajitesh, how are you today? Hi, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Great. Um, so could you maybe, um, for our listeners, introduce yourself and your work and your background and what you do um, just so we can get a little bit of an idea of your of your kind of interests. Okay sure thing. So my name is Ajitesh and I work I'm a graphic designer. I work um, on brand identities mostly and also a bit of art direction. I was born and raised in Mumbai, India and I did my schooling and design education there. I studied at this school called National Institute of Design uh, in Ahmedabad. And it was during this time that I really got in touch with the different um, disciplines in design, uh, one of them being textile design as well. And eventually I ended up uh, moving to France after, after college to work. And yeah, along this journey I have met I'm really lucky to have met like designers and other practitioners from various disciplines and it has really contributed to the mixed kind of practice that I have today. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what attracts you so much to um, this kind of mixed interdisciplinary kind of focus? Like why are you so attracted to that and why do you think that is important for someone who is kind of a creative? Um, so I think creativity itself by nature is mixing a lot of different ideas and the variety of ideas that you'll have depends on the diversity of the people that you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounded by people who are like uh, in the same profession, who have similar interests, um, your ideas, your source of creativity isn't that, cre uh, isn't that um, varied. And I think this culture of transdisciplinary collaboration, it actually was ingrained in me uh, in my college itself, because my college really, it was a particular kind of design education where um, there is a very strong emphasis on uh, cross-disciplinary collaboration, where you'll have, for example, product designers and graphic designers coming together to work on sometimes fictitious projects, sometimes real projects. And in those kind of group projects is where you really acquire this um, appreciation that uh, if you're working with a group of collaborators from different disciplines, uh, you can really take projects uh, really far. So yeah, I would say it was during my college time when I was exposed to people from various creative disciplines where I really nurtured this uh, taste for cross-disciplinary mm -hmm. collaborations. Yeah. Cool. Okay, really cool. So. Um, for anybody who's listening right now, um, Ajitesh will be one of the guest speakers at our upcoming webinar. I think I mentioned that. It's called Sharing Kasuri's Tomorrow. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Ajitesh, this will certainly be a kind of cross-disciplinary um, type discussion. Um, and it really makes use of 
your interests in that area, right? Exactly, exactly. And I think the kind of uh, discussion that we had with Shimogawa-san and uh, Laura is a great example of um, the kind of brilliant ideas that can emerge when you have people from different cultures and different kinds of professional experiences uh, mm. coming together and uh, trying to create something based on a, on a shared interest, which in this case happens to be the ikat textile, uh, specifically yeah. the kasuri from Japan. Cool. So we will definitely come back to this a little bit later. Um, but firstly, um, I would also like to ask, how were you introduced to CCDNL, um, our organization, and where did you gain an interest in weaving and ECAT and like the traditional crafts? I know you've also already touched a little bit on how it's kind of cross-disciplinary, but um, how does someone like you who's so contemporary and so um, kind of in the graphic design, which is very yeah, new yeah. very much of the moment. Yeah, very much technology it. heavy, yeah. digital. Okay, yeah. So how do so, you come to be interested mm, in the traditional weaving and okay. the traditional crafts? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great question. Uh, so about CCD, first of all, uh, how did I get to know CCD? So I actually learned about CCD through um, a friend of mine named Hugo, who uh, is a creative coder and also a designer. And yeah, so Hugo Pilat, he, he was running this project called DigiCut, which uh, happened during the first uh, lockdown, during the first COVID lockdown in 2020 wherein he invited people um, like friends that he knew or other designers through his contacts to do so this sort of um, side project around uh, ikat. And his focus was to get people who worked in contemporary uh, fields such as creative coding or design or graphic design or spatial design and get them to connect with and come up with ideas for something as traditional as the ikat weaving craft. And during the webinar, I, I will go into detail of what exactly we did in the DigiCut project. So in uh, continuation of this DigiCut project, I think Hugo reached out uh, to some of his friends and I think that's how he got in touch with Laura and Laura introduced him to CCD. And then uh, slowly but surely, given how enthusiastic I was about Tikat as well, I got I got roped in, and I, yeah, I carried the relay from uh, Yugo. So cool. yeah, that's how um, I got to know CCD. Cool. Um, just for anybody listening, um, Laura is a fellow guest who's going to be in the webinar, um, and you might hear us refer to Shimogawa-san as well. He is also a guest in the webinar, um, and you can learn more about them by joining the webinar. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, what I guess there interest? was a second. Yeah, there was a second part yeah. to your question. Okay. Yes. Um, about yeah, how did I get interested in something traditional like textile craft, etc.? So growing up in India, I guess textile traditions are something which are an integral part of our daily life. I mean, even as a child, you're exposed to a lot of, um, for example, the saris that your mom might wear or mm -hmm. the kind of blankets you have at home. There, there is still this um, huge production of uh, textiles that happens uh, in places uh, that have craftsmen and that doesn't happen mm -hmm. in a large-scale factory setup. I mean, mm -hmm. that is also there, and it, it, it both of these coexist, 
but i guess any average person in india is just exposed to traditional uh, textiles very early on so while i was exposed to them i you know i was still your average person who didn't really get into uh, the history and the craftsmanship that goes behind it it was only mm-hmm. after um, studying to be a graphic designer where this appreciation uh, for traditional craft was inculcated in me and i guess among the design crowd in india for example like all the designers you might see there is everyone likes to have things that are handcrafted like someone might have a tote bag that is hand handcrafted or wearing a clothes that are like khaki clothes which is traditional handloom clothes made in india so mm-hmm. in some way because of this uh aesthetic because of this uh, very trendy aesthetic for handcrafted clothes i guess indian designers are very exposed to traditional crafts and it you could say it is kind of seen um it is looked at as a kind of status symbol perhaps but yeah i guess it's just this uh, the fact of being in india and uh, having craft so much in your daily life So yeah. Mm. Yeah, so then how would you say your kind of graphic design like the creativity from that and like the kind of patterns and like ways that you would create graphics how would that kind of overlap a little with um traditional craft so, does it overlap is there an Yeah, 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 it definitely does. I guess the best example of it was um one of the projects that I did uh, when I was in college called Pixel Patola. so being a graphic designer you know i'm very much into digital technology and yeah digital ways of making graphic design as well as uh, manual ways of course but yeah the digital still remains very powerful and uh, i was really into pixel art because you know i'm your typical nerd so i'm into <laughs> video games and pixel art and all of that so in there was this yeah i guess it was in like third year of college when i was thinking okay uh, we have to do something called design project where we have to take a problem and try to come up with a project brief around it so i wanted to do something that i really liked and i wasn't really that much concerned about finding a problem because that's just how i was back then <laughs> but then um, i took this trip to this place called uh, patan in gujarat which is a state in india and patan is a state uh, where ikat where double ikat is practiced in india and it has like a very rich historical heritage that goes back uh, uh, a millennium or two millennia i guess yeah it goes back 2000 years and that is where ikat was developed and it was in this little village where i really got i i went on this visit to see the different uh, textile workshops and when i looked at the patterns that i saw on these sarees i thought to myself wow i'm so these patterns they are very elaborate and they managed to create very figurative motifs of like various animals you might see elephants and peacocks and parrots mm-hmm. and um this is all done with double ikat and which ends up on the textile itself it ends up looking like tiny squares almost like pixels and when i saw these patterns i was like wow this does this just looks like pixel art and it's so amazing to think that mm. 2000 years ago humans figured out how to draw things with just 
squares and highly detailed things as well because the resolution on the, um, i'm using a digital term to describe uh sari <laughs> but yeah i guess you could you could look into that with the resolution of these saris is very high as well the degree mm. of detail that you can get so when i drew this connection between ikat and pixel art i thought to myself okay maybe there's something interesting to be done on this front uh, which might help in reviving young people's interest towards ikat so yeah so i ended up studying the ikat patterns in patola uh which is the traditional form of ikat in patan and mm -hmm. that's how i ended up go, digitizing them and creating animated gifs out of them yeah that was yes. my process yeah. i think you should i've already watched the webinar obviously mm -hmm. and i think you showed some of them there right sorry come again i think i think you showed some of the, the yes yeah the patola patterns and it was really interesting because you're right, like they almost do like pixelated and then it translates really well into the kind of digital format. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what is great about Ikat, uh, let me know if I'm digressing here, is that <laughs> the same craft uh, is practiced in so many different areas of the mm -hmm. world. And historians have drawn all kinds of stories saying that, okay, maybe the craft started in India and then it spread to Southeast Asia. And then from then onwards, it went to Japan. But but it is known that all of these crafts were being practiced at the same time. And uh, I just find it amazing that craftsmen from different parts of the world can have this shared language through this mm -hmm. through this technique of ikat, which essentially yeah. remains the same everywhere. Yeah, so again, just to um, recenter a little, um, yeah. for anybody who doesn't know exactly what ikat is, um, it's a weaving technique, um, and it's quite an unusual weaving technique. It, um, I think, originated in Indonesia, um, but it's, like Ajitesh says, practiced all over the world. Um, and in Japan, it's known as Kurume Kusuri, um, primarily. Um, and that's what our webinar um, is going to be focused on. Um, and this is why it's so interesting to get perspectives from someone like Ajitesh, because he has this whole new kind of view on it. Um, so Ajitesh, just again to focus on the webinar um, back a little bit, um, is this kind of overlap between um, kind of your digital interests and the kind of traditional craft and your interest in ECAT and Indian ECAT, is this something that can be revealed in more detail in the webinar with Laura Lichtman and um, Shimagawa-san or can you explain a little about maybe what you might be discussing? Yeah, sure. So in the webinar, um we get into a very organic discussion. Uh, first of all, discussing our different inspiration sources. Uh, Laura shares some of her work. I share some of my work. Shimogawa-san talks about his work with Kasuri. And we mm -hmm. also share um, we also sh share these inspiration that we find found in uh, other projects which have to do with textile and innovation in textile. So yeah, we get, we will be talking about ideas as to how to adapt kasuri patterns to uh, different products. How we might create a sort of brand out of the kasuri for mm. the kasuri craft, and what kind of products we might imagine for uh, a new age audience. What kind of products might appeal to a millennial or Gen Z audience? <laughs> and so yeah, we get into interesting discussions about that. And yeah, also different formats. Like for example, uh, could we adapt kasuri to iPhone cases or mm. yeah, 
lots of uh, interesting ideas like that. Yeah, and this is also about like um, fostering kind of creative exchange between different countries in Europe and yeah, between Japan. Netherlands and Japan. Yeah. yeah, because Laura also talked about. Uh, I, I guess she get, talks a little bit about um, the historical trade relations between Netherlands and Japan, mm -hmm. because Netherlands was the only country trading with Japan for a significant period of time. So yeah, we are, it'll be great to see uh, how this collaboration pans out. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. If anybody wants to sign up, um, <laughs> you can find out via our website. Um, but then, so as a designer, what does sustainable creative innovation mean to you in general? Um, and more specifically in textiles and weaving, because this is kind of the, the discussion that you're having with Laura and Shimogawa-san, like how to innovate, how to move it forward, how to appeal to younger generations. Yeah. So what would that look like to you? Uh, so sustainable creative, uh, what was the term again? Sustainability Sustain in creative innovation. Yeah, like sustainable creative innovation, like what would it mean to you? Like, what would that look like? Okay, so I think, for me, the first thing that we need to know is um, how much impact we can have being in the position we are as designers. Um, one has to be humble and admit that it may not be much, it might be limited, but we have to mobilize whatever means we have to reduce our impact on the planet. And as we know, the fashion industry and the textile industry is one of the biggest contributors to the carbon footprint of the entire planet. And when we started talking about um, the craft, the traditional craft of Kasuri, we also got into a discussion of um, how people earlier valued objects uh, a lot and they kept reusing objects a lot, uh, which is why we also talk a bit about things like kintsugi, which is the Japanese art of repairing ceramics to prolong their life. And there is a textile equivalent of that as well, of which I forgot the name, but we discussed <laughs> that as a strategy of uh, how to make the product lines that we might create out of this brand sustainable, how to, yeah, how to just prolong the life cycles of any textile products that we might make by coming up with techniques to, that enable us to reuse them, recycle them. And yeah, I mean, as consumers, it, it, it is difficult because as a graphic designer, I'm aware of uh, the kind of demand that uh, I contribute to creating because a lot of graphic design and branding is about creating demand for something. So I have a bit of guilt about that, but I try to compensate <laughs> it with my alternate practice wherein um, I promote things like yeah, reusing objects, restyling objects, or uh, trying to have as little physical impact on the world as possible mm -hmm. by digitizing things. And yeah, it's not a it's not a perfect approach, but yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but even with um, what you're discussing in the webinar, it's about how you can move. Um, Kasuri forward and how you can continue using it and because like Kasuri is more sustainable than fast fashion because it's using natural dyes it's being hand woven most of the time um, yeah. and I think that's something that in Europe we really lack now like the kind of traditional yeah craft. yeah I guess what what happens is 
in Europe and I guess even in the world at a larger scale, we just have lost touch with, um, we don't have a sense of ownership over objects, over, over the things mm -hmm. that we use. They have just become uh, products for us which fulfill a function. Yeah. And like, we don't feel any sort of connection with them. And that is where, um, even uh, bringing up uh, my Indian background again, wherein <laughs> um, you have these, when you have a blanket that's been uh, created by a craftsman and has not been made in a factory, uh, you feel a sort of attachment to it because of two things. One, uh, just it just lasts longer. Its longevity is much more than that of fast fashion uh, products. And secondly, I guess there's just something, uh, this intangible quality of having something that was made by a person and knowing the whole story of where that object came from. Whereas um, when we look at fast fashion products or any products that you might get at Ikea and stuff, for example, they're completely anonymous. They just pop into these uh, showrooms without any history, without any background. And we have no clue of um, the whole life cycle of materials that is behind them or how they were manufactured. So we are completely disconnected from the creation of objects. Mm -hmm. And that is also because I guess in daily life, uh, we don't create as much. We just tend to buy things instead of creating things for ourselves. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time, the kind of traditional crafted items, like they're kind of almost historical pieces now because they're so rare that they just get paid like in yeah. museums or they're like really expensive. Um, and I yeah. guess, it's just, and which is um, sad, like traditional yeah. objects shouldn't get to that level where they become a luxury item because mm -hmm. that wasn't the case earlier uh, in the past, like 200 years ago or even 100 years ago. People wore handcrafted things uh, because that is what was being sold and it was just mm -hmm. accessible to everyone. Yeah, and it would be great if we could get back to that place. Yeah, like yeah, and definitely it will be great for the planet. And it just goes to show that it is possible to, uh, to make things that are handcrafted, but also accessible and reasonably priced for everyone. And mm -hmm. I guess with our generation, we still have this hope because I don't know if you have, uh, know about this aesthetic called cottagecore, which became yeah. really popular <laughs> in during the pandemic where yeah. people uh, like, uh, so cottagecore aesthetic involves doing a lot of things by yourself, baking your own bread or mm -hmm. sewing your own clothes. So this whole DIY culture and doing things by yourself uh, that is emerging uh, in the younger generation seems very promising. Yeah, I know. It's great to see that kind of um, thing happening, like even the kind of move back towards thrifting and buying secondhand clothes and vintage yeah. clothing. Um, yeah. That's really cool to see as well. Um, and I think like the younger generations are actually really leading the way in this now. So it's really great to... Yeah, have this discussion about innovation in Kasuri and how we can attract younger generations to yeah. buying crafted things. Um, I think sometimes cra handcrafted things are kind of forgotten about that they're also like sustainable usually and kind of helping also a craftsman to be economic, like to be financially stable, which is great yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ajitesh, um, we're almost um, out of time, but is there anything else you'd like to add or comment on before we finish? 
Um, I guess one last thing, but very important thing I'd like to add is since you talked about craftsmen precisely, um, I guess it's important that whatever innovation we end up doing with uh, crafts like Kasuri, that we really emphasize and highlight the role the craftsmen play and make them a part of the ideation process. Because mm -hmm. um, often what ends up happening in fashion is uh, craftsmen and artisans are just look like executioners, that they just execute the ideas of a designer or a creative director that's behind something. But they have so much more to add and they really are the guardians of uh, these crafts. So uh, whatever innovation we might do, we have to make sure that the craftsmen themselves have a voice in the products that they make. And yeah, that they play a major role in uh, co-creating um, the products that we end up making with this craft. Yeah, that is really important, I guess, to make sure that they're able to continue like their traditional involvement instead of being like used yeah. as almost like like to market the products like yeah this is handcrafted but actually the craftsman didn't have a lot of input See in yeah input in mm -hmm. uh what kind of products you make out of it or how do you market mm -hmm. them and yeah so because they have their own uh life story and experience which really enriches the project and I think in a globalized world like today, where we have people from co collaborating across time zones all the time, it we really have all the tools we need to enable this kind mm -hmm. of collaboration between craftsmen and designers. Yeah, that's such a great point and such a great point to end our discussion on as well. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thanks to anyone who's listening at home as well. Um, just an extra reminder that our webinar sharing stories tomorrow is happening on November 23rd from 11am till 1pm Central European time. Um, it's going to be streamed live. Um, it's free to attend. So please do sign up if you would like to join us. You can do that via our social media links or through our website. Um, that's ccdnl.org. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Um, and until next time, thank you, Ajitesh, as well. Thank you so much, Ali. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.